We live in a changing world. Times change. Things change. People change. In reality, the world changes. But God never changes. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord. I do not change. In Malachi chapter 3 at verse 6. In the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer said, the passage that was read just a moment ago, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to talk for just a minute or two about some things that never change. I understand that there are a lot of things that are changing. We're changing. But there are some things that never change. And so when I talk about those things that never change, I'm talking about God. And really his attitude towards those of us who are a part of the human family. I want to begin by talking about the passion of the Lord never changes. I'm reminded of the words of the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, when God said through the prophet, I have loved you. I want to ask you a question. Do you ever get tired of hearing somebody tell you, I love you, I care about you, I'm thinking about you? Most of us, we, we want to hear. People express to us their care, their concern, their love for us. Over and over again, God has expressed his love for us. There are an abundance of scriptures that plainly state God loves us. I think about 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, and we talk about the character of God and the unchanging character of Almighty God. And so in that passage, John said, God is love. God has said to those of us who belong to the human family, I love you. And God has given evidence of that great love. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Some of the passages that I think underscore the great love that God has for us. John chapter 3, verse 16, often called the golden text of the Bible where Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think about the words of Paul in Romans chapter 5, at verse 8, when he said, But God commendeth his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then also the words of Paul in Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he has loved us. And then the words of John in 1 John chapter 4. John said, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God has expressed his great love for us. But not only has he expressed that love, but he has given evidence, rock-solid evidence of his love. Somebody has said, talk is cheap. Yes, God has expressed his love for us, but he's shown how much he loves us. You know, John would say in 1 John chapter 3, talking to those of us that are Christians, that we're not to love 
in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. God could have expressed his love, but God not only expressed it, but he has given evidence of that love. Somebody asked the question, how so? Well, he sent his son to die for our sins. The passage I cited a moment ago, Romans chapter 5, at verse 8. God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of Almighty God is unchanging. The love that God has for you will never change. No matter where you may go, what you may do, no matter the lifestyle that you might get caught up in, God will always love you. Now, that's not to say that he'll condone your behavior, but there will never be a time when God doesn't love you. His passion for you remains unchanged. Think about how fickle people are in the world today. I think about how there are so many people around the globe and sometimes even in the church that because of this or that, because of this circumstance or that circumstance or this situation, they'll say, you know what, I don't care for you anymore. I don't love you anymore. Husbands and wives sometimes fall out of love with one another. Well, God will never, never ever lose his love for you. You can bank on that. And so when the Hebrew writer said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, to know that God's love for us is unending. I mentioned a moment ago, Jeremiah 31.3, And God said to the children of Israel in the long ago, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I can't say that about mankind, but I can say it about God. God will always love us. There's a second thing that I want to call attention to. We talk about how the Lord's passion for us will never change. A second thing, the Lord's plea to us will never change. In Matthew chapter 11 at verse 28, Jesus is quoted by Matthew. They're saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. The promise being rest. Did you know that you have a standing invitation by the Lord? His door is always open. There are some people that maybe you have grown close to. It might be, it might be your mate. It might be a parent, a friend, a classmate, or whatever. Whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever difficulty you face in this life, you know that come what may, their door is always open. Let me tell you what, God's door is always open. The Lord, for some 20 centuries, has been saying to the human family, come unto me. When I think about God's door being wide open, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3 at verse 20. 
Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, the Lord said, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. In Revelation chapter 22, John closes out the inspired record by saying, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. God is interested in people coming to him. That will never change. The world may stand another million years, but God will continue to plead with people to come to him. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 27 when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate? And Pilate asked those who were assembled on that occasion. We talk about the trial of Jesus. He asked, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Let me tell you what, that is the question of the hour. That is the question of the ages. Every one of us, we have to decide, what are we going to do with Jesus, who's called the Christ? There are a lot of folks that have had to make that same decision. What about you? What are you going to do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Now, the Christ is the anointed one, the Messiah. And we have to come to a definitive conclusion as as to who we think Jesus is. You remember Jesus asked the disciples on one occasion, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus then asked the question, but whom do you say that I am? Every one of us has to decide who is Jesus. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. What do you think about Jesus who's called the Christ? There are only two options. Option number one is you can be receptive to him. Option number two, you can reject him. God wants you to be receptive. I mentioned a moment ago the passage in Revelation chapter 3 at verse 20. When the Lord Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Underscoring the fellowship, the relationship that we can have with the Lord. In John chapter 1, John talks about those that rejected the Lord and those who were receptive to the Lord. To those who believed on him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor, nor of the flesh, but of God. Let me just say this. You know, in John chapter 6, Jesus makes an interesting statement. He said, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. In verse 45, he said, it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Based on what you know about Jesus, that he is the Son of God, 
that he died for your sins, that he wants you to be his child, what would keep you from obeying him tonight? What would prevent you from following in the footsteps of Jesus? Is there anything that would hinder you from coming to Christ? The door's wide open. I think about those that reject him. Jesus said in John 12, verse 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. He said, The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. I mentioned a moment ago John chapter 1. It was said of the Jewish people regarding the Christ that he came to his own, and his own received him not. That is, his own people didn't receive him. Many of the Jews rejected the Christ. So when Pilate asked the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? That is the question of the hour. We need to decide, what are we going to do with him? Are we going to live for him day in and day out? Are we going to try to model our behavior after him? Are we going to seek to walk in his footsteps? I would hope and pray so. And then there's a third thing I would call attention to. And that is the Lord's purpose for us will never change. In 2 Peter chapter 3, at verse 9, Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to think about this for a minute. God has a vested interest in you. Now we talk about making investments and having a vested interest in certain things in this life. Those of us who have children, over a period of time, we invest heavily in them, don't we? God in heaven has invested in us. Did you know that you are the crown of his creation? The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 1 that we have been made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. We're unlike the animal world. We are unique creatures. And because we are so unique, God has made it possible for us to live forever with him. Now there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about this great investment that God has made in us. In Romans chapter 8 verse 32, Paul said that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. I read the other day that those who have children over the course of rearing those children will invest some $250,000 in that child. So you can do the math. If you have two or three children, you've got a lot of money invested. I, I remember listening to an elder one time, and this elder did not have a lot financially, materially speaking. He lived in a rental home. He had been a bricklayer, and he had worked hard all of his life. His wife was a church secretary. 
And they were good folks. And I remember him talking about investing in his children's education. And here's what he said over dinner one night. He said, I would rather have invested in their Christian education. I'd rather have invested in that than have $100,000 in the bank. Now, if you have children in college or in, private, in a private school, you spend a lot of money. I know, because we've spent a lot of money. But you do so because you love them. God invested in you because he loves you. Because he thinks highly of you. You know, if God didn't care about us, do you really think he would have sent his son to die for our sins? If God did not care about us, why go to such great lengths to fellowship us, to have us become his children? Let me tell you why he did. Because he thinks you're worth it. Now, if you've got children, they're not for sale, are they? Now, there may be some days they're for sale. By and large, they're not for sale. Why? Because you love them. Well, we need to understand that God has a vested interest in us. And then secondly, God has a valuable inheritance for us. You ever thought about the rewards of living a Christian life? There are a lot of blessings that are intrinsically associated with becoming a child of God. To know that God is my Father. To know that I have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that, that will stand by me, come what may. To know that I have the assurance of pardon and peace and His presence in my life. All of those are great blessings. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus said that no one has left house or parents or brothers, or wife, or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive in this time many times more, but he said, in the age to come, everlasting life. Are there, are there blessings associated with being a child of God right now? Yes. Those blessings are abundant. But those blessings are not just confined to this world. The blessings I'm talking about are out of this world. We talk about having benefits or blessings that are out of this world. Let me tell you what, there is nothing that can compare to living the Christian life. There is no inheritance that you will ever receive comparable to the inheritance that we have described by God in Scripture. Peter said that we have an inheritance he said, it is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fades not away. And here's what he said, it's reserved in heaven for you. God wants you to be his because he has a great inheritance for you. That inheritance will never fade away. I knew a fellow one time that lost his father in high school or maybe right after high school. And he received a large sum of money. It didn't take him long to go through that money. He blew it. There, there's, there's not an inheritance that we can gain 
from a friend or family member that will compare to the inheritance that we have waiting for us in heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That Where I am, there you may be also. There are some things that do not change. As the writer of Hebrews said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His passion, it'll never change. His plea to you, it'll never change. His purpose for you, never change. God wants you to be His. So tonight, I ask this question. Where are you in the grand scheme of things? Are you a child of God? Are you living the Christian life? We talk about, Jared always talks about living the dream. A lot of times you'll hear him say, I'm living the dream. If you're a Christian, you're living the dream. Here's how to become a child of God. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Come to the same conclusion many, many people have come to down through the ages. And then willingly say, you know what? I've had enough of sin. I'm walking away from that lifestyle. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll perish in Luke 13, 3. And then acknowledge that you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Bible then says to be immersed in a watery grave of, of water, in a watery grave of baptism. When you do that, all of your sins will be washed away, and you'll be a part of the family of God. If you're here tonight, maybe you're not living as you should, could we pray with you and for you? We'd be happy to pray for you tonight. And you can leave here back in fellowship with Almighty God. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Won't you come as we stand and sing?